You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we're going to keep it uh, keep it light, keep it easy, keep it real simple, but a little bit funky. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do that last part, but I, I didn't want it to sound boring, so I'm sorry I lied to you, but sometimes I have to do that, you know? Ends justify the means. All right. So for today, I, uh, I asked a question, and it was for a reason in the Facebook group. Packernet Podcast Facebook group, check it out. Packernet Podcast Facebook page, Cheese and Packers Facebook page. Question was, which Packers player player will break out in 2021 and why? Um, I noticed on the question the and why is on the second line, um, but I thought at least a couple people would answer and why, but basically nobody did. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the and why part that was actually the most important um, thing here, but whatever. Anyways, very simply put, I want to talk about potential breakout players for the Green Bay Packers. Do I have my own thoughts on it? Kind of. But sometimes when I sit and do these episodes and talk through it, a lot of times I end up changing my mind, so I don't want to say what it is. We're going to talk through it, and we'll see how it goes. But essentially, I want to go through every potential breakout player. Some of them are impossible. For example, a breakout player... I think a good definition of a breakout player is somebody that has played but hasn't played very well yet, and we think this year he will. Now, that could be because he hasn't had many opportunities. It could be because he's just been kind of bad, whatever. But the point is, if they haven't played yet, you can't really break out. I mean, I guess you can. So, I mean, if you want to say Jordan Love or Amari Rogers or whatever, I guess you could. Um, it's also difficult because we have so many people at the top of their craft. Rodgers can't really break out when he's already the top guy. Devontae can't really break out. Can get slightly better, maybe, but even that is is hard to believe that it would happen. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. I'm going to do what I like to do, which is just go person by person, position by position, and work our way down. And if there's something interesting to talk about, we will. If there's not, then there's not. The way that this works in my mind is we do offense in the first uh, segment and then defense in the second segment, but who knows how these things are going to pan out. But I want to start with the um, the comments first, just to kind of highlight them, see what was said, and then we'll move on. Right at the top, we got Doc Bobby Stewart saying Jordan Love. Again, iffy on that defini- definitionally, but I guess maybe it's... Is there a def- an actual definition of breakout? Start suddenly. I mean, if you ha- if you break out into a rash, it wasn't a rash before, right? I mean, it just it wasn't, and then it is. I guess that's kind of what we're talking about. I just don't think that's usually how we use it in this context, but I'll allow it because we need to be able to talk about a lot of stuff. So we got Jordan Love, and then a whole bunch of arguing underneath that about uh, whether or not he's going to be quarterback. Uh, John says Gary, i.e. Rashawn Gary, which I think is a very strong candidate here. You could you can nitpick about it if you really like Gary and think he's already good. But either way, I don't think anybody could say that he's top of his craft. Obviously, there's still a lot of lot of runway left. So I think that's a strong contender. Will says MVS, then we're going to re-sign him and he'll be bad again. 
the, my first thought when I saw MVS was to roll my eyes until I heard the explanation, and I thought, you know what, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's probably exactly what it's going to happen because that does happen to us a lot. One real good year, and it's like, dude, he actually he did it. I didn't think he could do it. He did it, and then we give him a bunch of money. It's like, oh nope, never mind. He's why did we should have known that? We're we're stupid for believing that one year was real. Dean Lowry, Nick Perry. Mr. Jeff Nelson says AJ Dillon because we're going to give uh, going to hand him the rock a lot this year. I think that makes perfect sense. Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes are going to lock things down at inside linebacker this year. They will build on what they accomplished last year. Billy Morris says Sternberger on offense, Kiki on defense, Ty Summers steps up as well. Uh, Terrell Hunter says Vernon Scott at the hybrid position. That'd be kind of crazy. Big Vern just coming out of nowhere. Be awesome though. Um, Brendan Dalton says Garvin, maybe not a huge breakout, but will turn into a solid depth piece behind the big three, which we need next year if Z and Preston go. Kevin says Josh Jackson, he'll finally be unlocked under a different coordinator. That would be awesome. Uh, Nathan Plotz says Gary, um, he's had a couple years to learn new skills to add to athleticism, and this year he will be a pressure machine. And again, remember, he's he's actually statistically he actually does a really good job. He's right there with Zadarius. He just doesn't get as many opportunities, so the stats don't look as sexy as Zadarius's. But assuming he can maintain that level, if he was given the amount of opportunities Zadarius had, he would have been statistically right where Zadarius was, and the conversation would have changed entirely. Right now, everybody's that's not a Packer fan or the the small percentage of fans that still are angry about the Gary pick are are constantly say, I was a wasted pick, he's a bust, he's trash, whatever. If he was just given more opportunities, he'd be up there with Zadarius. He would have been in Pro Bowl contention. Remember, Zadarius won, was in the Pro Bowl, and the conversation would be entirely flipped. It's not because he doesn't play well, it's because he doesn't play much. I shouldn't necessarily say that. He doesn't grade out very well. He just does, he does do a good job of generating a lot of pressure. Charles Dickey says Billy Turner just to spite Pack Daddy. It wouldn't spite me. That would be uh, fantastic, but I get where you're going with it, and I appreciate it. A breakout would be just don't be terrible in big games. That would be great. I'll be fine with that. Clayton says Chris Barnes. Bob says J.K. Scott. Daryl Yeeter says A.J. Dillon and Rashawn Gary. Brian Shanahan says Darnell Savage, which it's another one where it's he's he's got a little bit of room to go, but you got to be real, real good to, on top of the year you had last year, be like, this was his breakout year. Because I think last year was his breakout year. He can still get a lot better, but, uh, you know, to overshadow last year has got to be real impressive. Mike Evans, the Mike Evans, I'll I'll, uh, just, uh, no, it's not. But anyways, he says, I think the unsung heroes will be the young offensive linemen, especially our new center. We need them to play great. Even more if Rodgers is gone, they'll be run blocking 60% for love. Fat guys for the win. I agree with all of that. I mean, again, I, I think we beat Tampa Bay if the offensive line just played better. Um, I think they've had moments. That, I mean, it's, it, it is a fantastic offensive line. I know it sounds like I'm saying two different things. On one hand, I'm saying it was arguably the best offensive line in football, and on the other hand, saying they were horrific in spots. But really, it was just there were a handful of games where one or two guys just does not show up, and the offensive line is only as strong as the weakest link, and there you go. But, man, there's nothing quite like a great offensive line. And when you're talking Aaron Jones and and A.J. Dillon, just the ability to – if you just think back to the Dallas Cowboys that one year, like Dak's first year where they were just an uh, an absolute force to be reckoned with, I think that's similar to what the Packers could be with Jordan Love if the offensive line can really be dominant. Because what was that? 
It was essentially a real strong offensive line that was just road grading people with Ezekiel Elliott running behind him. So he's getting six yards a, a, a carry, not literally, but I mean, it was it was just it was brutal. And then Dak, who has mobility, a pretty good arm, and a ton of time to throw. I mean, it was just it, it was so hard to stop this machine. And then figure, th- I would take Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon over Ezekiel Elliott any day of the week. And we have better wide receivers than they had even back then. I think we still do now. Most people wouldn't agree with that, but I think a lot of the guys they have are overhyped, like C.D. Lamb. Not that he can't break out this year, but just because of where he was drafted, everyone's like, oh, he's a freak because he was really good in college. No, he was decent last year. But it really was that offensive line. And I said that for years. They kept allowing the offensive line to erode, and I'm like, you can't do that. That's the center, the cornerstone of your entire team. Not just your offense, your entire team the offensive line has eroded, and the whole team has gone with it. And then they hired Mike McCarthy, and now it's really out of control. Who just hired Ben McAdoo? So it's like the, the idea that we thought that guy had changed at all is is incredible. I love Mike, but it's time for him to hang up, hang it up. And and Dallas is not doing themselves or Mike any favors by dragging this along. Uh, Brian says nobody. The season is lost thanks to our garbage front office and the lack of basic communication with their star players. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Carlos says, Jordan, show us the love. I like it. I can get behind that. I'm going to try not to make this a Jordan Love episode and tell you how much I'm excited about the guy because, you know, whatever. But it just just, just, talk, just seeing people get excited about Jordan Love gets me excited about Jordan Love. It's contagious, man. I can't help it. Goose says, this is the year MVS becomes a premier number two and goes for 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns. Why? Because he showed some progress last year and this is probably his last chance. I'm not going to pick on you, Goose. You already know how I feel. I'm going to leave it alone. And then uh, Gib jumped in, and he's like, yep, that's what Devontae did, so I'll, le- I'll let you have it. It's fine. As lo- Here's the thing, though, because we've been doing this for three years now. If it doesn't happen this year, we got to let it go. I mean, we might not have a choice because he's probably going to get cut, but this has got to be the last year, all right? I can't do it next year. And finally, uh, Stefan Scott Strauss says, Gary, Dylan, and Savage. All right, so... I'm going to go through, what's the best way to do this? I'd like to go through PFF just because it puts it linear, but I'm worried they don't have the roster quite right, so I could do RLADs. I don't know. I'll, I'll cross-reference with RLADs just to make sure I'm not missing anything. All right, starting at the top, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think definitionally he can break out. Now, don't get offended. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, although logically, it's almost impossible that the guy even performs as well as he did. Because it was not only his best performance ever, it was one of the better performances that a quarterback has ever done via PFF. Uh, Jordan Love, I mean, it would be great. Here's, I think here's a valid question. What are the sort of benchmarks for Jordan Love? At what point, in other words, from here and down, Everybody starts laughing and says the Packers are doomed. Jordan Love is trash. At what point does he kind of, you know, in in what range is it like, you know, that wasn't bad. Certainly not as good as, as Aaron Rodgers, but not bad. And then at what range, and granted, wins aren't a quarterback um, stat, but still. In what range is it like, this? this is actually, this is working. I feel like 10 wins is when it gets to be real, right? Nine wins is... Like, it's not terrible, but that's a pretty big drop-off from 13, and you're probably not quite making the playoffs. Maybe you are, but you're kind of in that, like, yeah, see how bad this is without Rodgers? Like, you're a 13-win team. 
You know, so it, it's not like you're doomed. So maybe you're kind of in that mid-range. Obviously, se- I think seven and below is like, oh, man, you guys are doomed. Eight or nine is like, that's not terrible, and it's his first year, so maybe it'll get better, but it kind of sucks. Ten and above, in my mind, is like, yeah, this is uh, it's not bad. And especially if it's above 10, because 10 is a big, I mean, that's a big number. 11 is a premier team. Granted, we've got one extra, so you got to kind of adjust that. But 10-11, is, that's, that's a good football team. I mean, if, if, if they get 11 wins with Rodgers, that's a good year. If they get 10 or 11 with Jordan Love, that's a serious football team, especially in his first year. The only reason I bring that up is, what would it be, what, what would a breakout for Jordan Love look like? Obviously, we can't use his past performance as a benchmark because he hasn't played. But again, at what point is it like, dude, this guy can play? Because obviously there's going to be a couple like highlight reel plays for Jordan Love. But at what point is, is it consistently the summary by the end of the year is he had a great year? I think they got to make the playoffs. I think if they miss the playoffs, you can't say he broke out. And, and again, I know it's not wins aren't a quarter. Fine, but the, the, the team as a whole is there. All right, the interceptions got to be down. You can't have a bunch of interceptions. Minimum 20 touchdowns. I think that's kind of a kind of a line there. We had 19 quarterbacks with 20 touchdowns last year um, with Jared Goff, and then the next highest was Mitch Trubisky with 16, and after that is a bunch of those types of quarterbacks. Interceptions, I mean, I'll try to keep it 10 and under, I guess. I guess ultimately a breakout for Jordan Love is – when Bears fans have to shut their mouth and everybody that's been trashing Jordan Love has nothing to say other than Rodgers would have been better, right? And uh, Because unless we win the Super Bowl, we could go to the NFC Championship game and lose again. And I guarantee you the anti-love pro-Rodgers people would be saying, if we had Rodgers, we would have won. That would have been the year. Like, you know, it's just, there's no win in that argument with them. But anyways, at wide receiver, Reggie Begleton, I just don't think I can, I don't think I can play that game. I've talked about him in the past. I know a lot of people get excited. I told you last year it wasn't going to be a thing. It wasn't. I can tell you again this year it's not going to be a thing. It won't. I'm just going to stick with our lads. Same I'll say for DeAndre Tompkins, Bailey Gaither, Chris Blair, um, Ento, Juwan Winfrey, Malik Taylor. I think I'm going to say the same thing. I mean, he he might come out for a couple plays, but I don't think that's a thing. Um, I don't think MV- I, I think we've seen all there is to see from MVS. I think, honestly, we know what we have in Alan Lazard. He, he could technically have a breakout year. I think it's possible, but I think Alan Lazard is what he is. I've said in the past, I think he's kind of like a Richard Rodgers, although I think he's a little bit better in that his blocking and stuff is probably better. But, I mean, he's just he's a guy that's relatively clutch. You know, he'll come up on that big third down. Geronimo Allison type of guy, but again, better blocker. So I don't think Alan Lazard is in for a breakout. I think the biggest, and Devontae can't, the biggest two names that I can say... Equinemius, who I don't really have a lot of faith in anymore, but it's there, right? I think the talent is there. We saw it a while ago. We haven't seen a, a ton. Um, however, the other thing to consider is if Jordan Love is there, maybe they do go in a different direction. Maybe he does sort of like working with certain guys. That could be an opportunity for Equinemius. But I think the biggest name as far as a breakout for the Packers at wide receiver has to be Devin Funches. I've said it before, but Devin Funches has graded out better than pretty much all the other guys that we have. Not that he's ever been great, but um, his grades have been higher and more consistent than than basically all the Packers wide receivers. Uh, 2017 being his, his best year with 117 targets, 67 receptions, 919 yards, and eight touchdowns. So he's been a number one guy. He's been the go-to guy before. 
He's a second-round pick, 6'4", 225. He fits the mold. He's a decent blocker. I mean, he, he he's kind of home. I know I've been going on a tangent about being frustrated with him not showing up to OTAs, but legitimately, I think Devin Funches may have found himself a pretty good home. I mean, he may just be a better Alan Lazard, to be completely honest. So if I were to put my stamp on at least a wide receiver, I'm going Devin Funches. Now, he's still got to work his way on the field. And again, this is where OTAs would come in handy. It would give him a leg up because he's got a decent amount of competition with Lazard and MVS, who obviously have been in this scheme for a long time and have earned the right to be on the field. There's Amari Rogers, who's going to be on the field quite a bit. So this would be a great time for him to show up and learn some stuff and get in with the coaches and, you know, find out the do's and don'ts and all that. But, you know, whatever, that's up to him. He can do whatever he wants. He's a big boy. Running backs, Aaron Jones, I don't think necessarily, well, he could break out, but I don't know. Even if he could, I don't think he will. I mean, it's hard when you're already kind of at the top. He could have a better year, but I don't know that it's necessarily a breakout year. I think the the obvious answer here is A.J. Dillon. I think we know he's got the talent. Remember, I mean, if if we just look at rushing grades, this is out of, uh, let me see how many running backs there were last year, because I think this is lost on a lot of people. 142 different running backs, 142. A.J. Dillon ranked eighth in the NFL, eighth as a rookie. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Damian Harris, Gus Edwards, Antonio Gibson, Ronald Jones, Josh Adams, A.J. Dillon. That's how they ranked out. Jonathan Taylor, who was an absolute freak as a rookie, ranked just below him. Remember, Jonathan Taylor had a slow start to the season and was given the ball a ton and racked up massive amounts of yards. He had 1,169 yards, 11 touchdowns as a rookie. Absolute freak. He averaged 5 yards per carry, A.J. Dillon 5.3. And remember, he faced almost exclusively stacked boxes all year. A.J. Dillon is a... And, and, and the other funny thing is, remember what I was saying, it didn't really look like he necessarily knew exactly, especially early on. I think by the time the Titans game rolled around, he started to show a lot more. But early on, he was just kind of, he reminded me a lot of Jamal Williams when he first started, where it looked like he just closed his eyes and ran forward. Jamal would close his eyes, run forward, and get an extra yard because he had that thump. A.J. Dillon would close his eyes, run forward, and get an extra seven yards after contact because he's just a horse. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've gone through the stats already, but, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what A.J. Dillon has done. Um, if you look at the elusiveness grades, he was fifth in the NFL. If you don't count Austin Walter with one carry or uh, Artavius Pierce with six attempts, you've got three guys with at least double digits. Mike Boone had 11 carries. Uh, Travion Williams had 26 carries. A.J. Dillon had 46. So we'll say he was third in this category of elusiveness. Third most elusive player running against stacked boxes. Imagine that. Elusive with guys everywhere. (laughs) He's not even known for being elusive. He's known for smashing guys in the mouth. Elusive. By the way, you know who is seventh? Only two carries, but you know who was seventh? Dexter Williams. Aaron Jones was 17th. So out of, I don't know how many billions of running backs, um, three three Packers running backs, Aaron Jones, Dexter Williams, and A.J. Dillon were all in the top 20. Dexter and A.J. were in the top 10. A.J. Dillon was 15th in uh, yards per carry after contact. 3.57 yards after contact. Let me, uh, let me adjust this and say you got to at least have 20 carries. How about that? 
In that case, you have A.J. Dillon 10th, Aaron Jones 11th in yards after contact per attempt. So, yeah, man, I'm real excited. I mean, he, he had no time to learn. He had no, and, and, and again, remember, Jonathan Taylor had a slow start. He didn't have a lot of time to learn either because of COVID, but at least he was given the ball consistently early on all the time. A.J. Dillon was getting one or two carries a game, and that was it. And then the one time he was finally handed the keys, he just lit the whole game on fire. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say that that's near the top of the list, if not the top of the list. There is also, though, that number three spot to consider. Um, We know that the Packers like to rotate their backs. You know Aaron Jones is going to get a heavy dose. You know A.J. Dillon's going to get a heavy dose because the one and two get a heavy dose. But there is a number three that's going to be touching the ball. Now, it's hard to break out if you're getting maybe six or seven. I mean, it, it depends how good they are. There are some games where A.J. Dillon would get two carries a game. There's some times where Aaron Jones would get 12, and then uh, A.J., you know, the number two and the number three would get like five. But um, I haven't given up hope for on uh, Mr. Mac and Cheese, Dexter Williams. There's also Kylan Hill to, to take into consideration, Patrick Taylor and Mike Weber. Um Kylan, you know, a lot of people are excited about Kylan. That was one of the guys where the draft nicks afterward are like, man, the Packers got a steal with Kylan in the seventh. He should have been gone a long time ago. That's a talented guy. So we'll see how it goes. But there is that number three spot, which does come with it some carries, some opportunities. And Dexter really has never gotten legitimate opportunities. And I'm not saying the Packers are doing anything wrong. They just, they've always had a, a, a big enough pile of guys that Dexter was just never really in a position to, to just take the reins, and I think he has that right now. He's just got to step up to the plate. Um, I should have, I guess, mentioned Amari Rodgers, but again, the whole rookie thing is weird for wide receiver. Uh, tight end. Do I expect a breakout for Mercedes? No. Do I expect a breakout for Robert Tunyon? No. I think uh, we saw his top end last year. Now, may, maybe. Maybe he's going to be the next, like, George Kittle. It's not impossible. Um, he works out with the guy. He's actually very athletic. He's he's one of the faster tight ends in football, which surprised me when I looked that up, you know, last year or whatever. Uh, Robert Tunyon has it. You know, he's got the speed to be able to do that kind of stuff, especially with the deeper balls and all that. It's there. Jace, a lot of people like a lot. It's understandable. I think the duo of Tunyon and Jace could be awesome if Jace can take that step, and I hope he can. But you know what I'm thinking. You know where I'm going with this. I I got to go Josiah DeGuara for tight end. Now, I don't know exactly what a breakout is for Josiah because, you know, again, we've got the running backs taking up a ton of carries. You've got Lazard. You've got Devontae. you got MVS. you got Funches. you got all these guys taking carries. How much work is Josiah really going to get? I don't know. But I think if people are talking about him, like, dude, this guy Josiah is something else. you got to watch out. You know, one of those things where in pregame, they, they got to mention his name. And don't forget about that Josiah DeGuara kid. He's a sneaky little weapon they got over there. He's been, you know, single-handedly derper, derper, derper. You know what I'm saying? I just, I like it, man. I do. I really like Josiah. And, and I think part of the reason I really like him, it's not even so much him, although I'm sure he's a great guy. It's the fact that I really love Matt LaFleur's scheme. I like what it is. And Josiah is that piece. You know what I mean? Uh, Devontae is Devontae. He's going to be a wide receiver. It's hard to fake what Devontae is going to do. A running back is a running back. I mean, he might run, he might block, he might go out on a route. Josiah is that piece, though. He's the guy that that's really in the middle of it. When when we say one minute we're blocking, one minute, he's the guy that's real hard to contain. He's the guy that's going to go in motion, and one minute he's going to go in motion and seal off the edge so that it's completely unbalanced, right? So 
when you start off, it's about numbers. You, you got the defense is, is stacked to this side, you know, evenly from left to right on, on the sides of the center. Josiah is going to run to the other side, seal off the edge. Now it's unbalanced. We have an advantage to this side. We're going to run to that side, and we're going to power down the field, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm sure somebody's going to try to chase him or whatever, but, you know, best of luck. But we're going to do that kind of stuff several times, and the next time you're going to try to crash down on him, and he's going to slide out for, for a ride. I mean, or, or even just if, even if forget the motion. He's in line, he's blocking, he's blocking. And that's the thing, He's most of the time he's going to be blocking. And he's the guy you're not paying attention to, you're not watching. And he's just going to slip out and he's going to be complete. He is the embodiment of what this scheme is, of, of everything looking a certain way. And then one minute we switch it. And when we switch it, you're looking right at Josiah. He's the guy that is like, oh, no. So I, I think that's a big part of the reason why I really like him. And, and Amari is kind of that way, too, assuming you're talking about the jet sweep stuff. It's all this motion where somebody's moving, and it usually doesn't mean anything. He's just going to line up to the other side. But one of these times, man, he's going to get the ball. One of these times, he's going to just slide out and do something. Sometimes he's just going to line up. Sometimes we're going to snap it and throw it to him. Sometimes we're just going to hand it to him. It always looks the same, but the same as what? <laughs> We've seen you do this a bunch of times, but you always do something different by the time the ball is snapped. Um, offensive line, John Runyon would be great. I don't really expect it, but it would be nice. Um, Elton Jenkins is tough because, I mean, if he was a... a top 10 guard most people would be like well he was top 10 anyways which I don't necessarily know he was but offensive line is just tough it's tough to gauge how good or bad somebody is I mean I can tell you with PFF and stuff what they have to say but it's a lot harder to do Lucas Patrick I don't really expect I think we know what he is um Billy Turner is possible but I kind of think we know what he is too Uh, he did as uh coach Hahn pointed out he did start getting quite a bit better down the stretch especially in run blocking of course that wasn't the case in the uh championship game but I don't really expect massive movement he's been in the NFL for a very long time he's like 29 years old he's been around we kind of know what he is we got a bunch of young guys so let's see if I just had to put something down who's going to be the one I mean it it would have to be Josh Myers if we're allowing rookies I think it has to be Josh Myers the guy that just kind of blows you out of the water that really isn't an impressive guy if not I think it has to be John Runyon not that I expect it, but I would say that that would make the most sense. But I'm excited because, you know, it's it's kind of for the second year in a row, we got a pile of guys and you're saying, if we can just get one. And last year, John Runyon was that one that I was asking for. Now we got John Runyon possibly getting better. We got Simon Stepniak possibly getting in and getting a shot. We got Jake Hansen possibly getting a shot. We've got uh, uh, Josh Myers coming into the mix. We've got Royce Newman coming into the mix. You got Cole Van Landen coming into the mix. You got John Dietzen also out of Wisconsin coming in. You got Koi Kronk. You got Jacob Capra. Again, I don't expect much, but if we can get one or two of these guys to really step up, this is a great offensive line with depth on top of everything. That's massively important. So I think the obvious answer is Josh Myers. If you're not going rookies, then I think it's John Runyon. Depending on, again, it's the definitions get a little little hazy. But but anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about the defense. See if we can't get a little bit excited about the boys on the D. Big, massive, giant thank you to Jacob Bruno for jumping in on Patreon. Greatly appreciated. Thank you guys very, very much for all your support. It means a lot. We are up to 218. We just need 82 people to say, you know what? I'm tired of this guy talking about it, 
I'm just going to do it. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. One dollar per month to support the podcast. And guess what? Giving away a Packers ticket or one of the other. I don't I don't care. I'll, I'll pick a winner. You tell me what you want. Pretty much get whatever you want. You want a Packers jersey? Fine. I don't care. Whatever. It's, it's, it's just money, man. It's whatever. But on the table, Green Bay Packers tickets, including the Steelers game, which is wildly expensive right now, but a lot of people from Packers Twitter and uh, wherever else are all getting together to have a little, well, get together at that game. So that should be a real fun one. Otherwise, PFF subscription for the year. And I'm talking the ultimate one, the one that I use that has all the detailed backstage, all that stuff, like $200 subscription, whatever, giving that away. Or Game Pass or the newest Madden, whatever. You figure it out. You let me know. But again, a buck a month, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Packernet Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk a little defense. We're talking breakout players today. Why don't we start with the interior? And I really hate to even have to say this, but ideally, and I don't think it's it's crazy to think that it could happen, but ideally, the guy that we need, and it's not even worth talking about anybody else, to be honest, is Kenny Clark. Now, I know that's going to upset a lot of people because that's not fair, and he was fine, and everything was great with Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark had 28 pressures on 359 attempts. That's 7.8%. He had two sacks on the entire season. Two. And I'm talking regular season because I want to compare apples to apples with some of these guys who are not in the postseason. Two sacks. Two sacks. Remember, he's supposed to be Chris Jones. Chris Jones had 60 pressures and eight sacks. Aaron Donald, 98 pressures, 15 sacks. DeForest Buckner had 10. Right? Lots, lots of guys doing lots of stuff. He ranked 30th. 30th out of all defensive tackles. So, yeah, I would love it if Kingsley Kiki could step up and all that. I just want Kenny, Bla- Kenny back. 
2018-2019 version of Kenny Clark. That's what I want back. Please. Now, to be fair, if we say like week 14-ish is when things really kind of turned around for him, at least that's when the bad game stopped. Because if you look at it in order, it was 65-46 against Tampa Bay in week 6. Now, he was out for a long time. Whatever. Okay, so that's the excuse. But then 77-69-52 against San Francisco. Then 79-73, and then a 50 overall grade against Chicago, and a 13, or excuse me, a 44 overall grade against Philly. So he's got these like real low marks, real low. But then in starting in week 14, 77, 85, 72, 66, 68, and 78. So that's when things kind of, like things are okay. But we got, it's got to be that all year. Now maybe he was out for a long time. Maybe that injury was lingering. I don't know. I just want Kenny back. That's all I'm saying. Call it a breakout, call it a resurgence, call it a comeback. I don't care what you call it. I, I More than anything, I'd love to have Kiki have a breakout year, all that stuff. I want Kenny back. We have to have Kenny back. One of the biggest priorities in my mind. Kenny Clark was paid a bunch of money because he's one of the best defensive tackles in football, bar none. He did not play like it last year. And I know um, Coach Hahn will throw hands right here and now about it. He can go ahead and throw hands. I'll take a beating right in front of the microphone and still tell you he did not do very well. That's not acceptable. I don't know why it's... Oh, never mind. I got to figure it out. He ended with five sacks, but three of them came in the postseason, which is not a bad thing. Just wondering what that discrepancy was. And don't mind the vacuum. My, I think my daughter decided 1030 at night is a great time to vacuum her bedroom. So I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't have answers for things anymore, man. Things just, things just happen. Kind of just along for the ride is, is how this works, I think. And my drink is gone. Planning on staying up tonight. I was uh, talking to our newest Patreon buddy, Patreon buddy, and uh, he reminded me how great Civ 4 was. He's like, I don't know if you ever played that one. I looked it up. I'm like, yep, I have played Civ 4. Very different style of game, and I dig it. And I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I'm staying up playing Civ tonight. I've, I've been a good boy. I haven't played video games in forever. I'm staying up. So that's what I'm going to do. Anyways, um... Obviously, Kingsley, Kingsley Kiki would be a, a real big contributor, and it's, you can make a strong case for it. As I said, he had one real good year in his first year as a run defender, but he couldn't quite get the pass rushing down. Last year, he was a pretty good pass rusher, but the run defense was lacking. I can't explain how that happens, but he's got both attributes. That's important. Uh, Dean Lowry... Look, I mean, he had one good year. He's got it in him. Am I expecting it? Not really. Am I expecting that big breakout? No. Tyler Lancaster is just kind of a big-body guy. I think you're going to get what you get from Tyler. I like what we get from Tyler. I'm hoping TJ Slayton is a little better version of Tyler Lancaster, to be honest. Um, With that said, do I expect TJ Slayton to be a break? No, not really. I think, and again, the problem with Tadaro Slayton isn't that I don't think he can be good. It's that at his best, I think he's a really good run defender, and I just don't think that that's going to get a lot of attention. Um, I think we'll all really appreciate him if he just comes in there and just tears it up as a run defender but ends the season with, like, one sack. We're still going to like him, but can we call him, like, a big breakout guy? I doubt it. And I really do think that's that's kind of his ceiling. I understand there's clips of him kind of moving fast, and he's fast for his size. I get that. But if the the for-his-size caveat is is... Not super impressive. Um, let's move on to Edge. Zadarius is kind of similar to Kenny. And again, everybody, everybody's like, he, there's nothing to break out. He had a great year last year. He, he went backward. Um, 
Do I expect a breakout? No, I think if he can do what he did last year, I'll be content. I think two years ago was kind of, I don't want to say a fluke because he earned every inch of that. And I do think he can do better than last year because of the massive amount of double teams he saw. If we can kind of scheme some some one-on-ones for him, I think he's going to tear it up. Not necessarily 2019 tear it up because, again, that's just that's beyond human. But I, I do think, um, I'm going to start downloading another game while I'm just sitting here. I, I just don't think it's going to fit the breakout. I mean, if, if if he has a dominant year and I go on Twitter and say he had a breakout year, I'm going to get annihilated. Although it'll be slightly accurate, people are going to be, he was in the Pro Bowl last year, stupid. Yeah, well, the Pro Bowl is stupid. He should have, he wasn't in the Pro Bowl in 2019. He was the best pass rusher in football. So don't talk to me about Pro Bowl. It's the dumbest thing ever. Um, Preston Smith, I think, is a legitimate candidate for breakout. Again, it's kind of a weird term, but. I think the good thing about Preston is we have seen Preston do quite well in several facets. I think in Washington, he was a dominant run defender. We know he has some ability in dropping in coverage like some of the other guys don't. I don't know how much that's going to be utilized in this new scheme, but he has that. And we know that he can be a really good pass rusher. We saw that more so in 2019. So I think he's got all the tools to be kind of a breakout guy, somebody that nobody really expects to see coming, but really kind of breaks out. Am I expecting it? Not really. The guy that I think makes the most sense, as several people have pointed to, is Mr. Rashawn Gary. If you look at pass rushers in the NFL, if you look at, again, there's some new stats here, win percentage. What percentage of the time did you beat the guy in front of you? The number one Green Bay Packer is Rashawn Gary. He was 28th at uh, 15.4% of the time he won. Zadarius was 28th at, well, I guess they were tied at 154 so they, they actually tied at 28th. But again, does that not tell you something? He tied Zadarius Smith. Now, if you look at TPS or true pass sets, win percentage, which again is when we kind of isolate, we get rid of all the weird stuff, like the double teams and this and that. It's just one-on-one, mano mano How many times do you beat the guy in front of you? You're not getting chipped by a running back. It's not a, a rollout. It's none of that weird stuff. It's a straight drop-back pass. He doesn't get the ball out of his hand in like one second. There's like a two and a half second minimum, whatever. Like you got a legitimate shot to beat one guy and get to the quarterback. How many times do you beat the guy in front of you? That's the question when we're talking about true pass sets. Rashawn Gary was 21st, 23% of the time. 21st. I know that doesn't sound impressive, but these are some quality pass rushers. The one guy in front of him is Melvin Ingram. Trent Murphy right in front of him. Bradley Chubb at 17. Right? These are quality guys. Zadarius was 48th at 19.4. Rashawn Gary, statistically, in, in terms of winning as a pass rusher, was our best pass rusher last year. Rashawn Gary, not Zadarius. Now, I'm not saying he's necessarily better, especially when you look at every facet of the game. I'm just pointing out blanket statistics, saying one-on-one, beating the guy in front of you. Rashawn was the guy last year. So, like I said, and, and if you just give the guy opportunities, I really think he's going to break. And especially from a, if you listen to this podcast, it may not be as much of a breakout because it's kind of as expected, right? Statistically, if he just gets more opportunities, he's going to be this, that, or the other. I think breakout is going to be with the people that, number one, don't listen to this podcast who are Packer fans or just non-Packer fans, Right, If he just gets a bunch of sacks and pressures because he gets a ton more opportunities, what's everybody going to say? Where did he, he just came out of nowhere. He was garbage, and now all of a sudden he's great. No, he's the same guy. He's just been given more opportunities. He's always been this good. But 
we'll see. I, I, I do have high hopes, and I do think he's going to get a, a larger role, but we got to see, especially if, and again, I keep putting the caveat in that I don't exactly know what's going to happen, but if we are saying there's less cute stuff, less dropping into space, less the, and, and the primary job of our pass rushers is to rush the passer, Zedarius and Rashawn are your guys. Now, there are a lot of, uh, you know, times when it's going to be all three of those guys up front with Kenny. Did that a lot with uh, Mike Patton. I think they're going to continue to do that. But either way, I think Rashawn stays on the field is, is kind of the larger point. As far as the other guys, I, I can't really comment on it. Randy Ramsey, I, I know Typical Leia is, is an interesting guy. He's kind of a fun, um, very small, very unique for what the Packers have done. I don't know if we've ever really gotten a guy this small, but he's one of those guys that very rarely gets on the field. And he, it was like in, in uh, practice type scenarios or whatever, but he was winning a lot. I don't expect anything from, from Typical Leia, but it's an interesting guy. As far as inside linebacker, breakout uh, I don't know if I can say anybody Isaiah McDuffie's the only one that comes to mind not that I actually think he will but again I don't have a lot of hope in Chris Barr I shouldn't say that that's not that's not fair he's got the tools I just don't think Chris Barnes is is I just don't think it's going to work Kamal again I really like Kamal but I think he's a limited guy and I don't know that I mean, there's a reason the Packers, despite him grading out real well and doing really well as a linebacker, not being put on the field. I think it's because they want the athleticism of a Chris Barnes and a Ty Summers, and Kamal just doesn't have it. So Kamal's never going to get that number one spot of being that guy that's out there most of the time in passing downs and whatnot, as well as running down. So I just don't know if he's going to be... It's similar to what I said about TJ Slate. I don't know that he can ever get to that point. He can be a great role player and a great football player for the team. I don't know if he's ever going to get to that premier status. And I just, I don't have a lot of faith in Chris Barnes or Ty Summers or Oren Burks for that matter. No offense to him. I'm sure they're great guys, but I just, I don't see it. And so for that reason, if I have to put somebody down, it's going to be Isaiah McDuffie. But no, I don't really expect that. Cornerback, I can't say Jair because you can't get much better than what he did. Kevin King, I'd like to say I have some faith, but I again, I think we've seen... Last year was a decent year for Kevin King. I mean, as far as my expectations for him go, I think that was about as high as you can get. But again, the, the lows are real low. And I don't know that those just ever really get erased. Obviously, Eric Stokes is a candidate. Um, I'll tell you what, though. The, if we're allowing rookies, and if I'm going to put my stamp on somebody, and it's, it's a very long shot, Shamar Jean Charles. Again, I, I genuinely believe, and I know some people don't like that I say this, but I, I genuinely believe there's a chance Stokes doesn't play right away. I think Kevin King gets the nod, and I don't think Eric Stokes, you know, they're not going to put Jair in the slot. They're not going to put Stokes in the slot. They're not going to put Kevin King in the slot. I shouldn't say they're not going to put Stokes in the slot, but I don't think he's built that way, and I don't think it's going to work out very well. Um, I think Shamar has got a lot of, a lot of like Jair in him. I think he's a smaller guy, but he's. I think he's quick. I think he's scrappy. Again, it's a massive long shot, but there's just there's a need for somebody to fill that role in the slot. And as much as I'd like to see Josh Jackson step up, I've I've been a fan of his for a long time, hoping he'd get his opportunity. I just don't know that it's going to happen. You got Kadar, who's got an opportunity, but Shamar is the guy that I don't know. It just it could be one of those picks where it's like, you know, it just it was it was a steal of the draft. You know what I mean? 
you watch him play, and it's like he's a small school guy who doesn't quite have the size, so he fell in the draft. But there's nothing about his play that says this guy's not a good football player. If you just forget the competition level, forget his his measurables, and just watch the guy play, it's like this guy's a stud. But those other things do factor in. So if, if you're telling me I got to pick a corner and and rookies are allowed, I'm going to go with Shamar. Safety, you know, again, Darnell and Amos, are they were at the top of their craft last year. It's hard to say breakout. That doesn't really leave me with a lot of options for the number three guy. Um, see, they still have Raven Green on here. I go to our lads because it's supposed to be the, the best of the best as far as keeping up on this, but Raven Green, I'm pretty sure, is a buccaneer. So I... <sighs> Somebody mentioned Vernon Scott. I, I might have to go that route. Will Redmond kind of, it makes sense because he's the guy that's going to be the default number number three right now. But I, I don't think there's much, I don't, I don't expect him to really become a stud. Not that I expect it from anybody. It's just, again, I just think we know what we get from Will Redmond. So I'll go with Vernon, but I don't know. I don't think we have a, a number three, like a stud number three. I just don't think it's there. And by the way, yes, I know Chandon is also the the current slot guy, and and, and that's not a, a terrible, that's not a terrible option for a, a breakout guy. Again, I'm sticking with Shamar. Uh, the only other thing to look at, I guess, would be special teams. Um, I mean, Mason can't really break out. You're not going to say a long snapper. So J.K. would be the only one. Uh, I think he is underrated, but I don't know that he's necessarily a premier punter. So I do think there is some room for him to really just break out. You know what I mean? Like, just be a dominant punter. So uh, I can get behind that. Again, I think he's massively underrated, but he's definitely not, again, he's not a premier punter. So I'd like that. I would love to just have a punter that's just killing it. He's just banging, you know, 60 yarders all day long. That would get me excited. And we do have a new special teams coach, which is worth considering because we've had some just awful special teams coaches up to this point, and things are just not working. And, you know... Got to at least get hopeful that the new guys that are in there are really going to help get things righted. But anyways, I got some uh, I got some video games to play, so you folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, remember, if you are a patron, you can listen to these podcasts a day early and ad-free. So check out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Otherwise, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.